fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed. What's up? Welcome into it. It is the greatest day of the entire week, the middle of the week, the post-to-post Monday, the pre-pre-Friday, the celebration before the celebration. That's the way it is. Why? Because every day is a celebration, and we have to live our lives as such that's what i tell myself at least and that's what keeps us going each and every day so welcome into it let's carpe diem all over this place welcome into it this is the voice reason i am andy who's your broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in wichita kansas on our flagship radio station we are all over the country multiple radio stations and tv live streaming podcasting however you watch or listen to the show it's so wonderful to have you with us your millennial general reporting for duty like we do every single day we have so much to get to today your brain's gonna head spin and it's gonna break just a little bit so hang tight strap in let's have some fun bottom of this hour lancy zumai he is with the education center for the pacific research institute we've had him on the program many times before wonderful individual we'll look forward to chatting with him we're going to talk about the covid19 pandemic post covid and are we caught up in our education system we are now what two years post the virtual learning year and a half We're going into almost the end of the first semester here for, or at least the fall semester for 2023. And are we on track to actually get our kids caught up to where they need to be at the current age level that they're at and catching up on what they lost over that time from a couple of years ago? So it's been a couple of years in transition and are we back on track? We'll talk about that coming up. Also, the difference between public and charter schools, which one is better as we look at the legislative sessions across the nation and states talking about school choice as an option or an idea in their legislative session. So we'll have some fun with that conversation in just a little bit. Uh, It is true, apparently. The rumors are accurate. It's actually going to happen in our latest in What's Trending. What's Trending Today. Now, we kind of had an idea that this was going to happen, but this is like really happening. And I find that kind of interesting as Kevin McCarthy has announced that he will officially be out. And, of course, he has to do it in typical California style where he is... Uh, he had to make a video, an actual produced video of like an interview sit-down style with music behind it and watching him walk down the hallway and getting all mic'd up and talking about the great successes and adventure that he's had as a member of Congress and going to be out before the end of the year. Not even just saying he's not going to run for re-election in 2024. He is out by the end of 2023, a year before, literally during campaign season, where we have to do a special election to get someone to fill the seat and then run for the regular election in 2024. Doesn't make a lot of sense, but that's what we're up against. So he sat down and released the video apparently today on the Tweety. If you want to see a great case thing. Oh, that's the wrong one. Let's try this one here. That's a better one too, but that'll be really fun to listen to. Traveling the country and serving with all of you, I have encountered far more people that want to build something than those who want to tear it down. I have faith in this country. Because America is more than a country. America is an idea. Today I am driven by the same purpose that I felt when I arrived in Congress. But now it is time to pursue my passion in a new arena. While I'll be departing the house at the end of this year, I will never ever give up 
fighting for this country that I love so much. Uh, okay, so that was the video off of there. It was like two and a half minutes long. We don't need to run the whole thing. We get the picture, Kevin McCarthy. If you really want to look at, and again, I talked about it yesterday with the new faces, kind of the new generation, the new direction that this nation's going to see here in 2024 with so many people leaving that you want to see what egotistical narcissism looks like. That would be it. It's not just on the left side of the aisle. It is truly the deep state elites that just don't get their way. They throw the ultimate temper tantrum. You can't stay in office. Yeah, you lost the speakership. And it's the first time in history that we've actually seen this. We get it. It was a historical moment. You're shamed. You don't like walking down the hall and being abused by all the, the, all the mean Republicans because now you're being bullied or whatever the argument may be. Doesn't matter. You're literally in office for one more year. Like to the date, one more year. And then you're gone and you don't have to worry about it. And in fact, you don't even have to be there the whole time because most of the time, House members, especially at this time, are going to start campaigning for most of next year. So you won't even be in Washington, D.C., but you can't even wait that long. I don't know what you have lined up, but this sob story, very dramatic, very big uh, announced type of departure and how everybody needs to pay attention to me and how I'm going to be off and doing better things. And thank you so much for all the support and all this great stuff that I did. And blah, 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 blah. It's very dramatic, very California-esque of like the Hollywood elites where they're like, oh, I need to document my entire life because people want to know what's going on. I don't care. I don't know why you have to be out by the end of this year instead of just writing it out for another year and just like half participating. I know that you want to properly take care of your constituents, in which case you should just write it out and not make the state of California spend uh, money for a special election that's going to take some time and then another election in the general for 2024 and have it turn into kind of like what we saw down in Texas with Myra Flores, where she literally sat in the seat for like six months. And then a new election came by, and then she lost it, and then the entire turnover again. Why would you do this to us? The egotistical, self-centered narcissism that we see in politics, that's really what's we're seeing from Kevin McCarthy. So the, the rumors are true. The video is out now, and you can find it on his X or on his Tweety. And uh, now this next step is who's going to do the replacement? According to the USA Today, uh, Governor Gavin Newsom will declare a special election to fill the vacancy within the next 14 days. According to California law, the after the declaration, a special election must be held within 126 to 140 days. That gets us into what, like May or June, if that's the case? And then again, then we have the special election, and then we go into the general election in November. Because, oh yeah, they will literally just sit there for the couple of days. Now, they say that it is a safe Republican district. Kevin McCarthy, obviously, a little bit more on the moderate side. I am curious on who's going to be stepping up and running for that seat in the House of Representatives for Kevin McCarthy's district in California. But this drawn-out, very dramatic announcement now of confirming that he is on the way out before the end of 2023 just shows that he's not in it for the people. He's in it for himself, and he can't handle the shame of being ousted as Speaker of the House, so he'd rather just walk away with his tail between his legs. Uh, Matt Gates uh, hilariously actually put up a post uh, mocking him for leaving because this shows the character of the guy, and while he was Speaker, we were concerned about his character, trying to be Mr. Leader. I'm going to take the bull by the horns. I'm going to hold the mantle and hold the torch and carry it on and lead the Republicans to the next generation, and obviously that didn't happen. And we knew that wasn't going to happen because of just his lack of leadership skills. I asked you just yesterday, the difference between the messaging when Kevin McCarthy was speaker for that short time and already the really short time that we've had Mike Johnson and the messaging coming out of the Republican caucus 
and the House of Representatives. Vastly different. And already there's an air of lightness. There's an air of control. There's an air of dominance that Republicans are having, or at least attempting to take back right now, and the Democrats are losing their minds. Did you hear Chuck Schumer just, what, today, yesterday? Absolutely going bonkers of the fact that uh, Mike Johnson was trying to tie the funding for Ukraine into the H.R. 2 immigration bill in the Senate because they've been sitting on that for months and haven't touched it. And Chuck Schumer absolutely livid at Mike Johnson for trying to tie the two together and saying that that's a non-starter. We're not picking up H.R. 2. It is way too strong to try and close down the border that way. We, we just can't do it. How dare you try to tie the two together? Now, remember, this is the same party that wants to pass omnibus bills every single year and not pass appropriation bills because we need to pass it to see what's in it because we need to increase the debt so dramatically that we don't know what the hell we're spending money on. But they're playing the politics now, and I can't believe that they're trying to tie the two together. We need to have them separated. We need to do this on a case-by-case issue. Funny how the tide has turned. And now they're playing the politics because we're starting to play their game, and they don't like it vastly different messaging and i think kevin mccarthy starting to see that and realizing the faults that he had as speaker of the house so of course he has to go out in a blaze of glory which is what he's trying to do it's very sad very sad now uh that's it so one more time we have to give our proper farewell to kevin mccarthy and thanks for causing a whole lot of ruckus within the republican party good riddance and we can't wait to see what kind of republican comes in to fill the seat even if it is only temporary with a special election coming up the next 150 days. With that being said, what's trending today? Speaking of new faces and speaking of new voices, new leaders rising to the top. I've told you before that the Democrat Party has struggled to find new leadership because they don't allow the young generation or the next type of leaders to step up and actually rise to the challenge of leading. They don't. That's why you still have Chuck Schumer. That's why you still have Nancy Pelosi. That's why you still have all these Democrats that have been there for the last 50 years. And they have not allowed the young generation to come in and rise up. They tried. And it turned out to be an epic fail with the B-Squad, with AOC and the others that have tried to come out and do some really stupid crap. I am told this is a garbage disposal. <laughs> so that's the, when they tried, that's what they got, and they didn't like it. So they had to stifle that side and that sect of the Democrat Party pretty quickly. A little bit too late because they're still there. But nonetheless, they have not allowed the next generation to come up. So in regards now to the outlook of 2024 and the new faces that we might see from both Republicans and Democrats... Let's go down the road for a second in speculation for the Democrat primaries, especially in the presidential primary, because we've talked about it ad nauseum. Everybody's talked about it, whether Joe Biden's eligible to be able to run for president, whether he's even going to, whether he's going to have the operation Joe Biden tripped down the stairs while trying to tie his shoe. That's going to happen here relatively soon. And now with this comment saying that the only reason that he's running for president is because he doesn't want Donald Trump to win. If Donald Trump wasn't running, he probably wouldn't run himself which shows where his heart's at. It's not for the people, but it's really just about keeping someone else, a political opposition, out of the White House. But he's not going to make it. And I think with this new face and this new wave that we're seeing in 2024, this new vision, and I think a new country that we will see in 2024, either for the best or for the worst, that I do not think wholeheartedly, I do not believe deep down that he will be the nomination, uh, the nominee whatsoever. So the question still remains, who will it be? We've talked a lot about Gavin Newsom. We've talked about Michelle Obama, but apparently there's that new face that is rising in the new voice of what the Democrats want to use. And it's perfect for them. 
Why? Because she's victimized. She's harassed. She's been harassed, quote unquote. She's been attacked and threatened. She's been womanized. She's perfect for them. She is the ultimate victim of society. If only she were a minority and she were gay, that she'd be perfect. Outside of that, she's the perfect candidate for them. And, of course, I speak about none other than Governor uh, Governor Whitmer from the state of Michigan. Yeah, I'm just amazed when they say what a great record. Yeah, she's got a great record. During the pandemic, she went to Florida after telling everybody else they couldn't leave the state of Michigan. Her husband went fishing when she told everyone in Michigan they couldn't. She shut down everything, not just the schools, hardware stores, every kind of business imaginable. She was ruthless in her autocratic uh, ways of, of governing. And when somebody says, oh, she's got a great policy, I'm thinking, if that's the best the Democrats have, Republicans are in for a real good year in 2024. Yeah, well, that- so that was uh, Mike Huckabee on Fox News talking about Gretchen Whitmer. But the new face is the media now talking about how great she could be. Why is she not the candidate? Why is she not the face of the Democrat Party now? Now, policy-wise, I'm not quite sure what she stands for. I have a few things that we'll talk about when we come back from the break. But according to Vanity Fair, who really kind of led this discussion, that she knows how to handle the boorish men while on the floor of the Michigan State Senate with men leaning in talking about very inappropriate things about her. She knew how to handle that situation. She outranked the men, and she was able to rise above the evil masculinity. When she was threatened as governor and attacked by evil MAGA individuals, she was able to handle it. She has been victimized. She has been attacked. She has been womanized. And she is the perfect victim candidate to run for the Democrat primaries. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome into it. 24 minutes past the hour. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting is the new presidential candidate for the Democrat Party, the rising face of the Democrats. Going to be the governor of Michigan is Gretchen Whitmer. Oh, the fun that they could have. Now, you got to look at the state of Michigan right now, complete shambles. The economy's been tanking, obviously, a lot with the UAW and the auto industry, where the UAW has screwed a lot of people over there. So, I mean, there's that. You have that going for you. She also made the statement, yeah, oh, what is her beliefs? Andy, what's her actual policies? Well, who cares about her policy? She's a victim, right? She's been womanized because of men in the state legislature that have said inappropriate things about her. She's been harassed and victimized that way. She's been attacked with people threatening her while she's been governor from the MAGA side of things with firearms. Remember that? She's a perfect candidate. I mean, almost the perfect candidate. If she were a minority and if she were gay, then then she would be the perfect candidate for the Democrat Party. So she almost checks all the boxes, but the biggest one is that she has been a woman and has been victimized. Now, if you ask about what a woman is, they can't define that, so she identifies as a woman. I guess we have to play it that way. But there it is, the new one. Now, Andy, what's her policies? Well, the only thing we know about her, outside of being one of the most radical progressive governors in the country, outside of probably Gavin Newsom, is in the state that has some of the most industry from the auto industry. Like, that's like one of the biggest industries I have. I mean, for those that don't know, I grew up in the northwestern corner of Ohio. I was literally 10 miles away from the Michigan border and about 12 miles away from the Indiana border. That's how close I was up there growing up for the majority of my childhood up until about middle school. 
And then I went back there, by the way, for college as well, Bowling Green State University. Yeah, yeah, I'm representing them properly, right? They're like, oh, oh, they're turning their heads in shame. How dare we create this project here? <laughs> yeah, being part of the college Republicans at Bowling Green State University, those are stories we've told some of those on the air. We'll have to do some of those again relatively soon. Nonetheless, that is a major industry up there where the vast majority of people work in some form of factory, some form of of manufacturing plants, and especially in Michigan, in Detroit, that's like the biggest industry that there is up there. So what's her policy? What's her platform? Oh, that's right. According to Fox News, Michigan Governor Whitmer has now ordered the state government fleet of vehicles to be 100% electric. Yeah. Yeah. Now, <laughs> now I want to remind you again, we're coming off a six-week uh, rally and walk out from the UAW because they wanted better rights and they want to protect themselves from the ongoing transition to electric while the UAW continues to support uh, support Democrat candidates who support the, the move to electric vehicles. That's going to cut at least a third of the workforce for the auto workers because they don't need them because there's not as many parts being built. And it's not just the people that are sitting there putting the pieces onto the vehicle, but it's the ones that are building alternators and the companies that build alternators. They're the ones that uh, build the axles and build this and build that or build whatever else, the oil filters, because you're not going to need an oil filter, like the ones that actually build parts for the cars that go into it. All of those are going to go away. And again, in Michigan, a major industry with the auto industry, that's going to go away from not just the manufacturing of the car, but the building of each individual part that the electric vehicles do not need. And as the governor of a state whose economy runs off of that industry, she's pushing to have the entire state fleet of vehicles to be 100% electric in the near future. That's the kind of governor that she is in the state of Michigan. That was her priority, to hell with the workers that I supposedly represent and want to give good lives to. We're going to watch your small business. We're going to watch your middle-sized business. And we're going to watch all these workers go to the wayside. Sorry. We're going green, baby, because I'm pushing the left-wing progressive agenda. Makes a whole lot of sense, right? Yeah, as the one who's going to be the face of the Democrat Party, the victimized candidate who is perfect to rise to that challenge and be that next face. Stacey Abrams was supposed to be that in Georgia, and that didn't pan out too well for her. Let's see how this one goes in 2024 for Gretchen Whitmer and if she can rise to that challenge and square off against the evil Republicans that have victimized her and made her the victim of society that she's going to play herself to be. Dr. Lancey Zumai, right around the corner. Stay here on a Wednesday. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, this is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed. Welcome back into it. It is a Wednesday here on The Voice of Reason, making things happen, trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that five-pound bag, trying to rebrand the millennial generation, one radio listener at a time, multiple radio stations all over the place, plus our podcast, TV, live streaming, however you watch or listen. So wonderful to have you with us here, as always. We'll get back into the... Uh, Potential 2024 matchup here soon. The Democrats looking for their candidates, and now they found it. Sounds like they found their candidate. Is it Joe Biden? No. Will it be Gavin Newsom? Probably not. He doesn't fit in with the norm of being the puppet for the establishment. So 
while he is trying desperately to prove himself to be a viable candidate, it sounds like now all you got to be is a victim. And uh, Gretchen Whitmer, governor from Michigan, sounds like that's going to be the perfect option for them. So will that work? Time, well, time will tell. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That'll be interesting to see. By the way, show of hands, who's going to be watching the Republican presidential debate for the Republican side tonight? Got to be honest, didn't even know what was happening until I heard about it last night. So I doubt that many people are going to be watching this one, kind of an obscure one. And it's down to four candidates with Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Vivek Ramaswamy, and Chris Christie. We will be having the campaign manager for Vivek Ramaswamy on the program tomorrow to recap, uh, recap that debate. So stay tuned in for that. That being said... What's trending today? Let's shift gears here a little bit, shall we? I love talking about education. We have There's a few topics that we always kind of come back to on this program. Economic issues, education, and health issues are some of the main topics we like to talk about. And now we're coming into the end of the fall semester for 2023 already. It's hard to believe. Where are we with education right now, especially after the post-COVID shenanigans and the year of or the two years even in some places from the remote learning and kids that have graduated, kids that are moving up the school years. Are we back on track and are public schools still getting the flack or at least trying to keep up for what they're supposed to be doing? Really happy to have back on the program. We love this guy on. Uh, we get him on any chance we get, that we get with the Pacific Research Institute. It's Mr. Lancey Zumai. Lance, how are you, my friend? I'm doing terrific, Andy. Always great to be on your show. Yeah, it's so much fun. I love chatting with you. Uh, are we on track here? Because we're now a few years past COVID. We transitioned from the remote learning back to, I guess, in class. But I've heard that some schools are actually going back to remote learning again because of RSV or something. But are we caught back up after the years that we lost during COVID? Oh, absolutely not, Andy. Uh, you know, there's been a huge learning loss uh, throughout the country uh, because of the COVID uh, shutdowns. You know, some places uh, closed down longer than others. In my own home state of California, we closed down probably about the longest of any of the schools uh, across the country. But that had a huge uh, uh, impact on the achievement of students, and you see that in the test scores. You look at the test scores that uh, students were producing before the pandemic, and they weren't too high to begin with. But uh, once the uh, closures happen, then uh, you saw the uh, test scores dive even lower. I mean, just to give you one example, here in California, uh, you saw uh, math test scores, you know, uh, drop, you know, fairly precipitously uh, because during the COVID years because of the closures. And I think that that's you know what you see across the country, and uh, also too, you're seeing uh, nose dives in test scores. Uh, even on an international level, not just in uh, America, but you know, in the recent um, international tests on mathematics and some of these other subjects just recently came out, and uh, America's uh, math scores really dipped down uh, because of COVID. So you're seeing a lot of that. There's been very little of uh, that learning loss gained back, and that's one of the things that is very um, you know uh, problematical, and uh, you know gives great warning to this country. You talk that uh, about how one of your great interest in on your show is the economy. Well, that's going to have a huge impact on the economy when you have these yeah. kids who are going to be losing a lot of learning during this uh, uh, COVID time period, and they're never going to gain it back. And that's going to have an impact on uh, the uh, workers going into the marketplace. That is very true. Uh, we came out lucky personally because my daughter, my little voice reason, she's nine. She's in the fourth grade right now. So during COVID, she was in the first and second grade. So we did the remote learning stuff. Obviously, it was difficult to keep her attention on that, but she didn't miss a whole lot, and she's had some years to try and play catch up there because she was so young that it wasn't at that pivotal time. But when we look at 
high schoolers, for example, who were their year to graduate in 2020 or 2021 or even 2022, or they were in the middle of their high school years, their freshman and sophomore years, they lost critical time to actually absorb some of that knowledge, like you said, to go into the workforce or to go into higher education and not have the standard of understanding at the level that they were supposed to because they essentially lost an entire year of their life. Their body didn't stop growing, but their education stopped for an entire year, essentially. And that's devastating. We're going to see that ripple effect for the next generation. Well, that's absolutely right. I mean, one of the things that you saw during COVID, and this is borne out by a recent study, by a joint study by Harvard and Stanford, is that um, uh, when you look at uh, school districts that had in-person learning versus those that had remote learning, those that had remote learning suffered, the students suffered greater learning loss. And I think that one of the problems is that when you have that learning loss, you don't gain it back. Uh, the, that Harvard study found that Really, when you look at uh, historically the research data of, about learning loss, you see that when kids experience a significant learning loss like they had during COVID, that they might at most gain back 20 or 30 percent of it afterwards. But then, you know, what does that mean? That means that, you know, you, you still end up having three quarters of that, uh, of that learning loss continue onward into the future. And that's almost a permanent learning loss. And that's the thing that is so significant and so scary for us as a nation. The scary part about that as well to build on top of that is the response that we've had, which isn't let's cram in and you know what, it sucks, but we have to double time our education to try and get you caught up because of how much you've missed. But now you're not testing at the equivalency and the level that you're supposed to be at. So let's go ahead and just get rid of standardized testing so that way we don't have to worry about us not hitting that mark. The city of the city of Chicago and Illinois, uh, they showed that 0% in inner city schools in Chicago, which by the way are taking 80 to 90% of their entire education funds for the state of Illinois, 0% efficiency in standardized testing so they just get rid of it altogether. Like, Lance, that, that doesn't solve the problem if you just put the blinders on and pretend it's not there, right? No, that's absolutely right, Andy. And I think that's one of the things that, uh, you know, you have to keep looking at across this country is that, you know, given the fact that there's this huge learning loss that kids are not doing as well as they should, well, what is the response of the school systems and the states? Uh, and that's been oftentimes, unfortunately, to uh, kill the messenger, in this case, the standardized test scores. And so uh, you see that in Chicago, Oregon, you've got the same thing where they're trying to get rid of um, uh, standardized testing here in uh, California and many other states, you're seeing uh, a lot of universities who are ditching the SAT and the ACT as uh, criteria for admissions into, for example, the University of California. And so therefore, you know, how are they going to judge the performance of these kids, well, oftentimes they'll rely just on uh, the classroom grades. But one of the things we saw during COVID is that those grades were often inflated, that uh, grades that should have been failing were uh, pushed up to passing. And so, therefore, you know, you're not getting a real picture of how well those students are really achieving by just looking at grade point averages alone. That's often uh, why we have standardized tests in order to be that uh, uh, that, 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 that promise that you will have a indicator that will actually objectively tell how well that student is doing, and, but you get rid of that uh, indicator and you have no objective uh, uh, measurement. It's very sad. We're talking with Dr. Lance Zumai uh, with the Pacific Research Institute, also author of numerous books, including his latest, The Great Parent Revolt, How Parents and Grassroots Leaders Are Fighting Critical Race Theory in America's Schools. 
You can find all that information online. Let's talk for a second about higher education. I have been very critical of higher education. And personally, I think the dumbest thing in the world, which is why I only lasted like two years in college, because I was like, to, to hell with this. But why my first two years of a four-year education is repeating the same garbage that I learned in high school with writing and with science and with history. When I want to go to college, I want to major in something. And in my first classes and only classes, I want to go in in that industry and in that field to learn and actually study that, that class 101 instead of, well, you can do that your third year, but you still got to take all these prerequisites first. But nowadays, with how bad the higher the, the K through twelve is, and not doing standardized testing, I don't see that going away anytime soon, Lance. Oh, I, I think that's right, Andy. I think, and one of the things that we're seeing again, uh, this is a way to kind of cover up the failure of both K twelve and. Uh, um, higher education. You know, it used to be that uh, many uh, university system, college systems would have uh, remedial instruction for those kids who came to college unprepared for college level work. And uh, well, first of all, you know what that uh, indicates is that uh, the K twelve system did not do its job to prepare these kids for higher education. But also, too, uh, it, it would uh, show how much uh, the, the the universities would have to do in order to pull those kids up. And unfortunately, what you're seeing right now is you're seeing a lot of uh, systems again, uh, like the University of California, California State University, and others that are doing away with uh, remedial instruction and uh, basically mainstreaming these kids into regular classes. Well, the question is, you know, if they're not really prepared for college-level work, even if you get rid of the remedial uh, instruction, uh, which is a poor reflection on K-12, that doesn't get rid of the problem, which is the underpreparedness of those kids for higher education. You're just uh, making it uh, more difficult to detect. And I think that's one of the things that uh, you know, is going to be, in the end, a misfortune for the kids themselves, because they're not going to get the preparation they need at whatever level, whether it's K-12 or uh, in the colleges, so that they can be successful in higher education. Yeah, we're duplicating ourselves. We're going all through K through 12 and then not getting to where we need to be. So now we want to get into a higher education to get a degree. And we're repeating ourselves to get you just up to that level to be able to be at a higher education level, which begs my question from someone who tries to be somewhat efficient with his taxpayer money is, the hell's the point of having K through 12 if we're not even going to be at that level by the time we graduate, which is the point of actually going there in the first place? We'll talk about that when we come back. we got to take a break here. It's Dr. Lance. He's my Pacific Research Institute. The Great Parent Revolt is the book as well. When we come back, I want to talk about the focus on many legislative sessions across the nation for 2024 in January when the state governments come back to convene again and the push for school choice. And is it going to be there in charter schools, in private schools, in magnet schools? Will that be the way to raise that quality again? Stay here. Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed. Welcome back into it. Always wonderful to have you with us here on a Wednesday. Hey, I want to tell you about my friends over at Americans for Prosperity. I want you to go to a website right now, prosperityispossible.com. Prosperityispossible.com, as you know, they've been doing their tour of the Bidenomics' broken campaign all over the nation. And lo and behold, now the Biden administration and the Democrats are pitching that campaign because, <laughs> well, it's not working, trying to show that Bidenomics 
was a successful economic policy when we see inflation still up ridiculously high. And the gas prices are down. Yeah, that's because energy companies now have just decided to say, we're going to give you the double-barreled, middle-fingered Biden administration, and we're going to start drilling our own oil regardless of whether you want us to or not. And now we're seeing levels of oil production that we saw under the Trump administration, and uh, which is at record levels. So that's good news. So outside of that, food's still up near 30% over the past three years, and the Biden administration is failing big time. That doesn't mean that your success, the American dream, is dead. Go to prosperityispossible.com, type in your email. That's all you got to do. Just subscribe to the email. And they will send you information on how you can be a fighter and that champion of prosperity and living that American dream and spreading that across the nation. Prosperityispossible.com. Prosperityispossible.com. Our great partners with Americans for Prosperity. All right. We are hanging out with Dr. Lance Azumai with the Pacific Research Institute, also with his great books, The Great Parent Revolt, and other ones as well. Legislative sessions of 2024 right around the corner coming up in January. And I know a lot of states, including where I'm uh, hubbed here out of the state of Kansas, uh, on school choice, expanding that ability for school choice, charter schools, magnet schools, private schools, allowing students to have that opportunity. Because like we just said, we're going through a basic K through 12 education system that is not gearing us up for college readiness or life readiness. So we have to pay more money into college to do the remedial stuff that we just did in K through 12 before we can actually take the degrees that we want to because they're not efficient when they're consuming the vast majority of state budgets across the nation. Lance, it's time for a little bit of competition and to raise the quality up here a little bit. No, I absolutely agree, Andy. I mean, one of the things that uh, you know, with you, what you saw during COVID, was not just the fact that you, uh, these test scores and uh, student performance indicators uh, nosedived. You also had the phenomenon of parents actually seeing uh, what was going on in the classroom, or at least in the instruction, because the kids were often doing Zoom classes. And so for the first time, parents were really able to see what the instruction really looked like, and, that's, uh, and what they saw was a lot of what they didn't like. And they they felt as though their kids were being shortchanged, that they uh, the obviously too much political indoctrination, other sorts of things. But, but the bottom line is they were di- very dissatisfied with the way the public schools were handling the COVID pandemic, which is why you saw during the pandemic a reduction of. Uh, public school enrollment between one and two million uh, students, depending on how you count. And uh, that, that's a massive uh, amount of students who are leaving the public systems for places like, as you point out, charter schools, homeschooling, private schools. And uh, that has been uh, facilitated by a number of states that have uh, implemented really uh, widespread or uh, universal school choice programs such as Utah, Arkansas, West Virginia, uh, and a number of other states. And so I think that that momentum you, uh, that you saw uh, over the last year or so is going to continue into the future because the, the performance of the schools have not uh, bounced back, and you're uh, still hearing people like the Biden Secretary of Education basically trying to uh, put lipstick on a pig about how well the school systems are doing. And it's really uh, you know, very poor, and I think that you're going to continue to see parents seek out choice options, and the states are going to end up, a lot of them, I think, are going to end up giving it to them. Yeah. Uh, we got just about a minute left here, Lance, before we have to wrap up. But the Trump campaign says that if he gets back into office, he wants to abolish the Federal Department of Education and bring that power back down to the State Department of Education. Would that be a good idea? And would that be part of the problem solving to allow states to handle their own curriculums at the local level? Well, I, I think it would be. Uh, a, a, well, certainly would be something that um, uh, 
the, the parents uh, would support, I think, overall. I think one of the things that we, we've seen, like at Pacific Research Institute, where I work, we just released a poll not long ago about how uh, people feel about their own school boards. And one of the things they felt is that they felt as though the federal government had too much uh, influence on uh, their local school board decisions. And I think that that is an indication of uh, the dissatisfaction with this federal intrusion into what should be local policy making on education. The people who are closest to the kids should be the ones making the decisions. And so I think that uh, you're going to see a lot of support for not just if it was President Trump or any other candidate who is saying that, hey, we need to uh, either eliminate or certainly push back the U.S. Department of Ed. Times are changing, my friend. Everything's going back down to the local level. Between education, economic issues, supply chain issues, it's all coming back down to local because we don't trust the big system any longer. And I think that's a good thing all around. Dr. Lance Azuma, Lance, it's always good to talk to you, my friend. Such a great honor. Merry Christmas. If we don't talk to you beforehand, let's get you back on the show again real soon. Absolutely. Merry Christmas to you, Andy, and to all your listeners. Always a pleasure. That's it for today. Back at it again tomorrow for a Thursday. Until then, this is The Voice Reason. We'll see you on the radio.